Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Jenny and Manuel Marin seemingly had it all. Two beautiful children, a waterfront mansion, a yacht, and a Hispanic supermarket empire with dozens of locations throughout South Florida and New Jersey. On the surface, there's just like this perfect marriage because they lived in, you know, this beautiful house and they had a nanny and they had, you know, luxury boats and their kids went to private school. But behind the facade, Jenny was, you know, felt very isolated. Manuel's constant working, their 20-year age difference, and some culture clashing left Jenny feeling lonely in her marriage. So she found solace in the arms of another man. They had this secret affair that went on for, for, for a long time, and they couldn't stay away from each other. But when Manuel Marine found out that his wife was having an affair, he went into a jealous rage and started to hatch a plan for his revenge. Jenny found out that her secret lover had been murdered and, and killed and, you know, and her husband mysteriously just up and vanished. Hi, I'm Joey Dowd. And I'm Kareem Tapsh. Beaches, nightlife, and tropical weather may be what folks think of when they think Florida. But as Miami natives, we like to say that South Florida is a sunny place for shady people. Each week, we'll bring you a new episode of a true crime case committed right here under the Florida sun. From the outrageous to the utterly bizarre. Think you've heard it all? Think again. This is Paradise Lost. Crime in Miami. On June 1st, 2011, a body is found burning off of Okeechobee Road by the Florida Everglades. It was a brutal murder scene. Well, the murder scene was really graphic. So um, when they find the body in this, this fire that had been sort of half burning out in this rural part of, of West Miami-Dade County, and it was pretty gruesome. He had been set on fire. His um, his cross area, his genital area had been set on fire. Um, he'd been beaten and tortured, and his throat had been slit. That's David Ovalle, a longtime crime and courts reporter at the Miami Herald who reported on this case. So 
it was like a really gruesome thing. It was like a very personal type of crime, right? This wasn't someone that was just shot. Um, it was someone that was, you know, clearly an intimate type of killing that was sent, made to send a message. Police were unable to identify the body at first. The Everglades is Florida's rural, swamp-like land. Those postcards and nature shows you've seen of gators and panthers in the midst of a tropical marshland, that's the Everglades. A wild place that exists right at the edge of Florida's cities and suburbs. Now, bodies showing up in the Everglades is not that unusual. Bodies showing up in the Everglades is a pretty common thing here. You know, Miami has so many places where you can hide bodies or where, you know, people can kill someone with very little attention. So yes, uh, it's not an uncommon thing. Not only is it not that unusual, that very same week, another body was also found in the Everglades and also set on fire. So there was like this weird wrap of of burned bodies um, that were found in the Everglades at the times. The two eerily similar cases of two burned bodies in the Everglades ended up just being a weird South Florida coincidence. The two had nothing to do with each other. Now, this happened the end of May, beginning of June in 2011. That same week, a 43-year-old man named Camilo Salazar was reported missing. Camilo was a family man. He was married, had a newborn baby just three weeks old, as well as a 10-year-old daughter. He worked with his father, who was a real estate investor, while his wife, Daisy, ran an event planning business. Camilo was an interesting guy because he, he had been like a like a ultimate Frisbee champion. And, um, you know, he had this, this kind of, uh, you know, goofy gap in his teeth. And so it was sort of like a a joke, uh, you know, where he would joke with his wife about how he had, like, you know, the perfect set of teeth. And he was sort of like a quirky guy. On the morning of June 1st, he dropped his newborn baby off at his wife's office. He said he had forgotten his baby's pacifier and went back to his car to get it. He never returned. And the Miami police put out a bulletin saying that, you know, he had disappeared, you know, under suspicious circumstances. But it wasn't a huge deal. It was just sort of a, you know, small blurb and there was the coverage on TV. Camilo's truck, a 2002 Chevy Trailblazer, was still in the parking lot. But he was just vanished into thin air. So. Daisy, the wife, and you know, initially thought, well, maybe he's with, you know, a client or he had to go see a client. But, you know, then he just never returned. He never stopped answering phone calls. It was like very, very mysterious, bizarre disappearance. The media starts asking police if the body found in the Everglades might be related to Camilo Salazar. On Friday, two days after Camilo disappeared, the medical examiner confirmed that the body found in the Everglades was his. And that's when we found out that uh, Camilo Salazar had been uh, somehow whisked away from Coconut Grove to his final resting place in, uh, in a rural part of Miami-Dade uh, County. It was like this mysterious thing, right? He, he disappears from Coconut Grove, but it's, you know, it's a very um, nice neighborhood and, you know, it's sort of one of the iconic you know, leafy green tropical paradises of Miami-Dade County. And for someone to just go missing and then end up, you know, tortured and murdered near the Everglades is a pretty weird thing. Now, if you remember the description of the gruesome murder, Camila wasn't just set on fire. Specifically, his groin was set on fire 
which would hint at this murder having a very personal motive. That theory proved to be true. Shortly after identifying Camilo as the victim, it came to light that he was having an affair with a woman named Jenny Mirren. It was pretty soon after they, that they figured out that there was something going on with this affair and with this relationship with Jenny Mary. She immediately went to her lawyer and her lawyer actually went out to the, to the police and let them know that this had been going on. Let's pause here for a second and talk about Jenny Marin and her husband, Manuel Marin. Manuel Marin was born in Cuba. In the 1990s, he helped co-found a chain of supermarkets in South Florida called Presidente, as well as a sister chain in New Jersey called Extra Supermarkets. This really fast-growing chain that caters specifically to the Hispanic um, community. So it's a very, 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 very Hispanic chain. And he was someone that really tapped into that growing Hispanic supermarket uh, business model here in, in, in Miami. In South Florida, the Hispanic supermarket chain Sedanos had long quartered the market. So, Presidente's arrival was both disruptive and at the perfect time, as the region's Latino community continued to grow by huge numbers. And coincidentally, I happened to live down the street from one. These supermarket chains made Manuel extremely wealthy. Now, Manuel was married once before, but that didn't work out. While he was separated from his first wife, he started dating Jenny. It was a whirlwind relationship. According to the Miami Herald, he surprised Jenny with the divorce papers from his first marriage, along with a diamond ring. He proposed to her on the spot. I remember um, writing about their marriage and how it was sort of this, on the surface, it was just like this perfect marriage because they lived in, you know, this beautiful house and they had a nanny and they had, you know, luxury boats and the kids went to private school. And, um, but behind the facade, Jen, Jenny was, you know, felt very isolated, felt very cold. She didn't quite, I mean, she was Cuban, she was Colombian, she was a little bit older, so there was a little bit of a culture class there because, I mean, even something as silly as he would use slang that she didn't quite understand, right? Even though they were both Spanish speakers, right? So it was just little things like that. And then just, you know, he, he worked a lot, he, you know, had his interests, and he was just, he didn't really have friends. He was kind of like this machista, you know, Cuban guy and um, and very controlling and, and she just felt very alone. So it was not it was not the marriage that it was cracked up to be on paper. Jenny and Manuel did have two kids, but in this isolation, she connected or we should say reconnected with Camilo Salazar. In the early 2000s, Jenny dated a friend of Camilo's. When that relationship fell apart, Jenny and Camilo remained friends and Camilo became her confidant. They lost touch when Jenny moved back to New Jersey, where she later dated and married Manuel. They'd go back and forth between Jersey and Miami since Manuel had the various supermarket chains, but they spent most of their time in Miami. Years later, Jenny would get an email. It read, quote, Hi, how are you? End quote. It was from Camilo. And it wasn't until sort of years later, shortly after the birth of her second child with Manuel, that she got an email out of the blue from, from Camilo. And they started talking and he sort of resumed that confidant role and someone that he could talk to and be honest with and be open with. And, you know, on paper, even looking at them, you know, they don't look, they're sort of like an unlikely couple, right? And he's sort of like this 
Gap Kusa, quirky frisbee playing guy, and she was just you know sort of raven haired beauty that uh, was married to this really rich uh, businessman. But um, but they clicked. They really you know they just had this secret affair that went on for 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 a long time, and, and they couldn't stay away from each other. As we mentioned earlier, both of them were married. Jenny just had her second son, and Camila was married to Daisy, who at this point was probably pregnant or soon to be. To keep this affair secret, Jenny bought a burner phone at Radio Shack. You know, eventually, Manuel finds out and confronts them. They'd meet up at the Galleria Mall in Fort Lauderdale, where Camila would pick up Jenny and take her to the Sun Tower Hotel to have sex. This arrangement goes on for some time unnoticed, until they do get caught by Manuel. In February 2011, when Jenny was meeting Camilo for coffee at a South Miami-Dade bakery, Manuel appeared. He grabbed her by the arm, took her keys and phone, put her in his car, and began screaming at her, asking her questions about Camilo. She'd later say he had a crazed look in his eyes. Eventually, she was able to call Camilo with her burner phone that Manuel didn't know about. Camilo told her Manuel had also confronted him, banging on his car window. And, you know, like pounding on Camilo's door, you know, saying, come out here, you know, be a man. Camilo sped off. After this, the relationship cooled off for about a month. Camilo sent a text to Jenny's burner phone, and soon they resumed their Galleria Mall and Sun Tower routine. You know, from, from the testimony and everything that came out, their relationship truly was, like, you know, deeper than uh, just a sexual one, it was pretty deep, and this is something that, you know, they had been become confidants and friends. They'd known each other for a long time. Um, yeah, it really got the sense yeah, that they, they had a really deeper relationship than you might expect. But Manuel isn't the type of guy to forgive and forget, and he wasn't about to let another man keep sleeping with his wife. So he begins to formulate a plan to get his revenge. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Manuel Marin knows his wife Jenny is having an affair with Camilo Salazar. He's already confronted them, and Jenny agreed to cut it off. But within a month, her and Camilo are back seeing each other. We're not sure how Manuel uncovered the affair in the first place, but based on what happens next, it's safe to assume he knew they didn't stop seeing each other. So he hatches a plan to put an end to the affair and to Camilo. Now, Manuel, or Manny, was a huge fight guy and a fan of MMA. He was known for hanging around one gym in particular, Young Tigers, down in Kendall. He was really well known in the fight scene. He knew all these all these MMA fighters. A lot of them, um, some of them who are kind of big now, like you know, they all trained at this gym down in Kendall. Um, you know, like Jorge Masvidal, who's a you know pretty famous now MMA fighter. He had uh, you know was really big into to boxing and wrestling and MMA, and so he was sort of like known in the uh, local sort of fight scene um, as someone that uh, was a big fan and hung around the gyms a lot. Manny reaches out to his friend, a fighter named Alexis Villaperdomo. Now, let's just talk about Alexis for a moment. Alexis is also from Cuba. He was a champion wrestler winning a bronze medal at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Around that time, he somehow got connected with Manny. The following year, Manny helped Alexis defect from Cuba and come to the United States. So it was sort of like a father figure to Alexis. He gave him a job stocking shelves at a Presidente store. Alexis trained one of Manny's sons. He later moved up to Michigan to coach wrestling at Michigan State University. But in 2004, he would make national news. According to David, heartbroken after a breakup, Alexis drives for about 24 hours straight all the way down to South Florida, where he then crashes into the Fort Lauderdale airport. He's like all disoriented and just crashes into the terminal at Fort Lauderdale International Airport. So I remember this is you know, 2000, mid 2000. So this is like you know not that long after 9/11 and there was all these fears of terrorism. And I covered this. I covered this thing um, back then because it was like this bizarre thing where you know we thought it might have been like some sort of suicide bomber or something, and then it just turns out it's this bizarre story of this Cuban athlete who you know just kind of went bonkers. Despite being an accident, Alexis was sentenced to three years in a federal prison. After getting released, he reinvents himself and becomes an MMA fighter, which is a big leap for someone to get into at age 37. He calls himself the Exorcist. Fighting out of Coconut Creek, Florida, presenting Alexis, the Exorcist Villa. And had this nickname, he was the exorcist, you know, and it was sort of like exercising his demons. And 
and um, yeah, he, he did pretty well. I mean, he was, you know, he had his little thing going, and he was, he was winning, winning some fights, and he kind of had this thing going. Manny reaches out to Alexis to help organize his plan. Manny, you know, approaches Alexis and, you know, kind of puts the word out within these gym circles that they, you know, they have this, this you know, quote-unquote job that needs to be taken care of uh, with this guy who, who ran a foul of this, you know, wealthy fight fan. Alexis gets a crew together with a few other fighters from the gym. Roberto Isaac, a fight promoter, and Ariel Ganduya, another MMA fighter who goes by the Panther. So he reaches out to another guy who's another fighter named Ariel Ganduya, and he is he's known as the Panther. And he was, you know, lesser renowned, but he was another guy who was trying to make it in the fight game. And then actually had a decent, you know, a little decent run in that time period. And so these, these are sort of the, the guys that end up helping this whole plot. Ariel also has an interesting backstory. He also came from Cuba. In 1994, he fled on a raft where he spent six days at sea until the U.S. Coast Guard picked him up. Unfortunately, his wife and son tried to make the same journey a few months later, but drowned at sea, sending him into a deep depression. He eventually revived his interest in fighting, and he began training at the Young Tigers gym, where he got connected with Alexis. Ariel would later say he never knew what the job entailed. In May 2011, he heard Manny talking about a quote-unquote job at the gym and thought it had something to do with the supermarkets. On June 1st, Ariel got a call from Roberto Isaac, who said he wanted him to come with him to cash a check because somebody owed him money. Roberto showed up in a rented white four-door pickup truck. They drove down to Coconut Grove, outside Camilo's home. Ariel later testified that Roberto said Camilo owed him money and he'd been staking out his routine for the last few days. So Isaac had been following him and kind of knew his routine, knew what he was picking up the kid and dropping the kid off. When Camilo left his wife's office, Roberto grabbed some zip ties and a walkie-talkie to try to look more official. So Isaac had zip ties and he clipped like a walkie-talkie you know, like on his shirt or something to make himself look like official. So they're not in uniforms or anything, but they just kind of try to make it look like they're cops. He cuffed Camilo with his hands behind his back. Camilo did not put up a fight. He seemed more confused than anything else. So Camilo's kind of stunned. He's like, what's going on? You know, he's like, he's like really stunned and confused. Roberto gave Ariel Camilo's car keys. Ariel then left them inside Camilo's car. While doing this, he made one crucial mistake. He touched Camilo's SUV, which left a fingerprint that had later connected him to the crime. They then drive over to Roberto's house in the Winwood neighborhood, where he helps him move Camilo inside. But he remains inside the car, where he calls Roberto and Alexis to find out what's happening. Remember, according to Ariel, he thought he was just helping collect some money. Phone records would later corroborate Ariel's story. And the reason they actually they actually believed him because you know even though he's in the same geographic area as Isaac, he's actually calling Isaac on the phone like, hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you guys doing in there? It's been hours. Now Alexis wasn't in Miami when this all was happening. He was in Las Vegas for a fight, and Manny, well, he was on his yacht in Bimini for a long planned family trip. 
But according to Jenny, who was also on the boat, he was making an unusually high amount of phone calls the entire time. This was the thing that struck Jenny was that, you know, he was on the phone the whole trip. He was just nervous and pacing. David said he was talking to Alexis, getting real-time updates on Camilo's abduction, while Alexis was talking to Roberto and Ariel. David said they held Camilo at the house, waiting for Manny to get back from his yacht trip. So Marin finally gets back, and normally whenever they go out on the boat and they come back, he would walk, he'd be very meticulous about, you know, rinsing off the bow, putting everything away, and he just fanned out of there. He was like, I got an emergency to go to, and he just, you know, left. Well, little did Jenny know, he's, um, you know, he goes and meets up with, uh, with these guys um, somewhere in the Fort Lauderdale area, and they throw Camilo into his SUV. At this point, Camilo most likely doesn't have any idea with what's happening or why he's being held. But once he sees Manny, he knows what's about to go down. Camilo, at that point, from the testimony that came out, he knows what's going to happen. He is just, like, freaking out, yelling and kicking and screaming because he knows who this person is. And uh, that's when uh, that's when uh, Isaac and, and Aaron, they, they drive down to uh, South Dade. Imagine that ter- the terrifying moments of being in that car ride to, to, to meet his demise. I mean, it had to be just freaking awesome. They arrive at a remote spot in the Everglades. Ariel doesn't want to have any part of what's about to go down, so he drops them off and drives away. He actually um, jams out of there and, um, and leaves, and that was backed up by the cell records. So he didn't actually engage in any of the final torture and, and, and all of that. That left Manuel Marin and Roberto Isaac as the ones who did the actual murder. Warning, what we're about to describe is extremely graphic. According to the medical examiner's testimony, Camilo was walked out of the car, his hands tied behind him with a belt. He was repeatedly hit in the face and head with a heavy object, possibly a golf club. This fractured his skull and jaw. Then a knife or box cutter slit his throat. It's not clear how he was stripped down, but Camilo ended up rolled onto his back naked. He may or may not have still been alive. Gasoline was sprinkled onto his genital area and his penis was lit on fire. Cell phone and toll records placed Manny and Roberto at the site of the murder. Once Camilo was identified and the affair came to light, Manny very quickly became the primary suspect. So they knew pretty quickly who the main suspect was or, or who they needed to be looking at and that this could possibly be, you know, part of, of this, you know, sordid love triangle, but the public didn't know that for many, many years. After orchestrating and committing the murder of his wife's lover, Camilo Salazar, Manuel Marin vanishes. He flees to Spain, where he'd hide out in plain sight for the next seven years. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. 
Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tuda Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tuda shows wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Camilo Salazar has been brutally murdered by Manuel Marin. Three days later, he left his home. Jenny thought he was going to work. He never came back. Later, she discovered that his passport was missing. Aaron pretty much leaves the country. You know, he doesn't say anything to his wife. He just, like, completely ghosts on her. According to the Herald, he went to Spain because he had family that lived there. Now it would be a good time to talk about Yadiel. Manny's older son, who was in his 30s. He helped run several Presidente supermarket stores and also had a stake in a series of restaurants, including Pincho, a burger and kebab chain. Manny is able to stay on the run for so long because Yadiel financially supported him and his family. Yadiel paid a friend to deliver $9,000 cash to Manny in Spain. He would also cash checks made out to his father. So Yadiel um, was a... Uh... You know, he, he, he was like a young, uh, at the time when, when his dad finally got charged, he was like in his mid-30s, and he'd pretty much been running the, the family business, you know, sort of running it for his father, and probably with his father's input, but he was certainly providing the father with, uh, with cash and means and money and managing all his affairs. Yadiel pays $10,000 a month to Jenny to support the kids. Manny also gives Yadiel power of attorney. He arranged for, for the $10,000 in child support for Jenny's two kids that he had with, with Manuel. And sort of behind the scenes is, uh, you know, 
transferring all the uh, his paperwork and giving power of attorney to his son and his his son, his adult son, is sort of managing the businesses and um, you know providing him money and actually executes a divorce on on his dad's behalf with uh, with Jenny. So Jenny and Manuel did get legally divorced, with Yadiel handling the paperwork on Manny's behalf. He even coordinated a rendezvous in Cuba between Manny and Jenny so he could see their two sons. So, um, yeah, he was sort of like the, the go-between between, between uh, Manny and Jenny. So, something's not adding up for me. Why is Jenny still in contact with Manny, and why is she taking the kids to Cuba to see him? Why hasn't she turned him in? So it's definitely a little fuzzy with why he was allowed to basically roam free for so long, but it doesn't appear to be a mystery on where Manny is. The charges against Manny wouldn't be unsealed until 2018, so we can assume this allowed him to go in and out of Spain since there wasn't an arrest warrant out. And he met up in Cuba because Cuba wouldn't extradite him. As for Jenny bringing the kids to Cuba, good question. You'd think she wanted to cut off all ties with him. This is just my guess, but since she was still being financially supported by Yadiel, maybe there was some obligation to let Manny stay in touch with his two kids. Jenny also didn't want to know the full extent of what Manny did. In court, she said she never asked Manny what happened and that it was just better for her not to know. Meanwhile, Ariel was also on the run. He fled to Vancouver, Canada, where he was working as a welder and had a wife and three children. As we mentioned, it would take a long pause before this case gained traction again. Sometimes with these cases, you know, they, they kind of build a lot of evidence early on, and then just for whatever reason, they don't feel they have enough, and then you get some prosecutors with some fresh set of eyes, you tie up a few loose ends. In this case, they ended up with a prosecutor named Gail Levine, who's a very, very aggressive, very great trial prosecutor, really good at putting these cases together. In fact, she was one of the ones that tried the uh, Sunjin case back in the 90s. And she, um, she kind of just pressed that eyes on this case and you know, helped tie up all the loose ends. And, and they ended up issuing the arrest warrant, and, and it kind of just you know unfolded from there. In 2018, seven years after the murder, prosecutors unsealed the indictment and it was made public that Manuel Marin was wanted for murder, in addition to Alexis Villapergomo, Roberto Isaac, and Ariel Ganduya. David covered the release of the charges in the Miami Herald, which brought renewed interest and attention to the case. So when he finally got charged, when, when they charged the other guys, I was the first one to write about it, and so it kind of blew up, right? So I, I you know, I write about this guy, Alexis Villapodomo, gets arrested, you know, he's in court, he does this whole thing, and oh, by the way, you know, the court records reveal the the co-founder of President of Supermarkets is on the run, and he's believed to be in Spain. Investigators caught on to how Yadiel was supporting him, which led to Yadiel's arrest and charge of accessory to murder after the fact. He ultimately ended up getting charged with accessory um, after the fact you know, for helping, helping the father elude justice for so long. With Manny's money supply cut off and the public spotlight on the case, it seemed like he ran out of options. He knew he couldn't survive anymore. I think his money would get cut off. He didn't, you know, he, he knew that he was under the gun. So he ultimately surrendered 
And through the extradition process, it took a few, you know, I think it took a month or so or longer, and then finally was brought down here. Ariel Ganduya reached a plea deal to come back to the United States. He pled guilty and received a three-year sentence and testified against the other defendants. Alexis and Roberto were also arrested. One thing stood out to David about the arrest of Alexis, who was still an active MMA fighter. The one thing I always remember um, about that is, you know, way back then when they interviewed him, the detective, you know, these are guys who've been around, uh, you know, a lot of really intense people, but they were kind of like nervous around the guy because even though he's a little dude, I mean, I think he's not like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, um, but, you know, he just had these intense, crazy eyes. And he told the detective, like, you know, the lead detective, you know, I was like, I'll kick your ass right here, you know, in the interrogation room. And they were all freaked out. So, yeah, it made for an interesting scene. Ariel's testimony is what filled in a lot of gaps of what happened during Camilo's murder. You know, he wasn't anyone that really did any of the, the physical, um, you know, the physical act of the killing. He was just an integral part of the kidnapping and the and sort of the whole conspiracy. So they they certainly didn't feel he was he was sort of any of the the, the mastermind or any of the, the a real henchman in this whole thing. And his testimony was pretty crucial. I mean, he was someone that with firsthand knowledge, he, he was part of the whole conspiracy and the whole plan. Alexis and Roberto went to trial at the same time. This is where lots of testimony about what happened was made public. And it's also when some of the people involved in the case would see each other face to face for the first time. And the thing that I remember most about that was the testimony of Jenny, because here was, he was seeing Camilo's wife for the first time, and they're literally just sitting a few yards apart in the courtroom, and it was just, see, you could you could sense the, the sort of awkwardness and agony, and, you know, he's just very, like, solemn, and, you know, and it was just a strange sort of very, very dateline kind of scene where you had this sort of love triangle, and there was this moment where, yeah, when Daisy's in the stand, and, you know, and, and the prosecutor says, like, were you upset that he was cheating on you? And you he says, yeah, he was alive now. He'd have a lot to, to answer for with me. You know, so there's just these, these human emotions that you kind of just, you know, your victim is not perfect. Obviously, Camilo was cheating on his wife and, and Danny was cheating on her husband. And so there's just so many, like, layers to this case that I found fascinating. Alexis Villaperdomo was convicted of conspiracy for helping to arrange the murder. Remember, he was in Vegas the whole time, so he wasn't physically at the murder scene, but he arranged everything. He was sentenced to 15 years. Now, the reason he didn't get more is because, remember, he was not in town for the actual murder, so the most they could get him on was the conspiracy to commit the murder. So that was the, uh, the maximum he could get for that. Roberto Isaac was convicted of second-degree murder. The jury believed he carried out the killing on the orders of Manuel Marín. He was given two life sentences. David said that the second life sentence was for kidnapping. The interesting thing about what, that his sentencing was, he was pretty much like, you know, I deserve, he, he said, I deserve what's coming to me. He didn't uh, hold anything back and he kind of just accepted it. Yadiel Marin reached a deal to pay out $10,000 to a Miami victim's rights organization. No criminal conviction would show up on his record. As for Manuel Marin, he was supposed to go to trial in 2020, but that was delayed due to the pandemic. 
Now there's a huge backlog of cases that are even older than his. So he's still awaiting trial, but since he already fled to Spain before, he was denied bail. He's currently awaiting trial from inside a Miami jail. Where does, where does this case rank in, in Miami stories for you that you've covered? Oh, it's, it's like top three. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the most Miami cases. And I think it, it, because you have the MMA connection, you have the, the supermarkets connection, which, like, unless you live in South Florida, you're not going to know what president the supermarkets are. You know what I mean? And then, of course, you know, Love Triangle and Long Quest for Justice. And, you know, there's so many sort of subplots that, that sort of make this a, uh, a really enticing, enticing case to cover. It's just a wild, only in Miami story. Thank you for listening to Paradise Lost, Crime in Miami, where each new episode will bring you a true crime story right from the South Florida headlines. Paradise Lost, Crime in Miami is a production of Sonoro and Trojan Horse in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Network. Hosted and produced by Kareem Tapsh, Joey Dowd, and Christian Hatar. Edited by Angelina Mosher Salazar. Fact-checking by Evelyn Uribe and Sara Mota. Engineering by Mane Parra, Daniel Padilla, and Fernando Galaviz. Executive produced by Jasmine Romero and Joshua Weinstein for Sonoro, Reem Tapsch and Alex Fumero for Trojan Horse, and Giselle Bansis and Conal Byrne for iHeart. Listen to Paradise Lost Crime in Miami on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.